Hello and welcome to Connected, episode 228. It is made possible this week by our sponsors, Luna Display, Drafts, and Squarespace. I'm your host, Stephen Hackett, and I am joined by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hello, Stephen. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm running a bit of a fever, but I'm fine. I'm uh, first time I do a, a feverish podcast, I think. Actually, not the first time. Back in the prompt days, I did a, did an episode when I had a really high fever. But today, I'm I'm actually doing pretty okay compared to that time. So yeah, uh, I will manage. If I disappear at some point, it's because I died. No, I'm I'm kidding. Um, I'll be okay. I'm gonna drop a clip of that show in right here. No, no, <laughs> God. <laughs> Uh, I'm all, I'm all sweaty and, and sore, and I, so I just I just you know I dr- I drank some milk. And Mike Curley's here as well. Every episode is like a fever dream to me, and here I am. It's good. It's good. Fever dreams are wild. Mm, 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 mm. So we're back. There is a lot to talk about. You know, sometimes January is slow, and that is not the case. <laughs> This, this week has been a month. It, it feels <laughs> it's that, it been feels a real big one. <laughs> yeah. Really feels that way. But uh, before we get to all that, we have some follow-up. Uh, and my <sighs> only question, really, is, Mike, are you still using your iPad screen protector? Yes. Oh, my God. Why? No. Basically, <sighs> my opinion has remained mostly unchanged from last week. It's like, it does feel nice to use. I do still can very much see that it's on there but the Apple Pencil does feel nicer on it. like So I, I feel like my opinion remains exactly the same, so it's not come off yet, because I haven't had any, like... I haven't had any realizations in in either direction, so it might be sticking around. I don't know. It might be sticking around. Uh, would you consider uh, an artist, Mike, yourself at this point? Given that you're using sure. paper and... The, okay. I'm Mike. using paper and fountain pens right now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, okay. you know, okay. Okay. fancy, fancy, very fancy. Mm. Well, we'll we'll continue to check in over the next few weeks. I really don't <laughs> think you will come to WWDC with the paper like on your iPad. Mm. But Well, you won't see it because I won't bring that one. Well, that's cheating then. Um. But, uh, to be honest, although if I keep <laughs> if I keep it on the 12.9 until June, I probably would have got it for my 11 by then. Right. As the official adjudicator of this controversy, I should be able to check whether you have the Paperlike installed or not. Well, you'll so. probably come to my home anyway, so even if I okay. don't have it on the 11, but I say I'm keeping it on the 12, then you'll okay. be able to see it. You can verify it. Okay, we'll, we'll live stream the results. Please Perfect. do. <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely something nobody will remember. <laughs> Oh, boy. We've been speaking about rumors of new iPads, and everyone's friend, Steve Trout-Smith, has found evidence in iOS 12.2 of four new iPads, uh, two Wi-Fi and two cellular. They don't seem to have Face ID. uh, And there's also evidence of an iPod Touch with no Touch ID and no Face ID. So I don't know what's going on. The iPod Touch, but these things, I think I'm I'm a believer. I think we're going to see new iPads and iPod Touches here pretty soon. The iPod Touch bothers me. Why? Don't rain on the. It just parade. seems weird. It just seems so weird. Like unless it looks like a iPhone 10, then I just don't understand why they're doing it now. Right? Like it just seems so strange to me. It's like a notch, but with no Face ID. That'd be that'd be exciting. But like, oh yeah, that's a good point. But like, 
it just it, I, I, if you use it then great like more power to you and I'm sure this is going to be great for you and I even kind of feel this way with the iPad mini to a, to a part as well but it's just, I just don't understand why you would leave a product around for so long unchanged and then change it a little bit right because let's be real like that iPod touch is most likely just going to get a processor update or whatever and then it's kind of just like I don't understand why this product still exists like how many are you really selling it just seems really strange to me. I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. So mm. what you're saying is you're not going to pre-order an iPod Touch? It is unlikely. Okay. I would consider that to be to be quite unlikely. If you did, would you put a screen protector on it? No. Mm. Okay. Well, I'm not see. into screen protectors for screen protectors' sake. You know, sure. There isn't one going on my iPhone. It's all to do with the Apple Pencil. That's what it's all to do with. What if this iPod Touch upgrade is just like one of those things that Apple does? It's like a price change and some minor component change. And maybe it's like $20 more expensive. Like, it's not a new iPod Touch. It's just a minor spec bump. But that's my point, though. Like, I just don't get why you would leave it for so long and then do so little. Right? When was the last update on the iPod Touch? Uh, it was a couple of years ago when I bought it last summer, you remember? remember? And then I forgot that I had one. It um, was July of 2015. And okay, so more it than was, a couple of years ago. It was upgraded then to include the Apple A8 processor. The so same like, that's in the HomePod. Th- this is my question. Or it's just like if you leave it for four years untouched... Mm-hmm. I just it's do you see what I'm saying? Like, it just seems strange because then I mean, they're going to release went three years like, before that. I mean, the touch oh, is on God. a slow refresh cycle at this point. Okay. All right. So what if it's um, what if it's a a 10R without the phone part, without you know, maybe slightly worse cameras, and Apple keeps saying this is a game console. I mean, I, I think so. That that's what I'm saying. Like, I would have no problem. I don't like have a big problem. Like it's just like a, I'm just like wondering about it, right? But like, if they made some visual design change, like actually change the hardware, like it is a new product, I would be like, okay, fine, right? Like, but, but there's something about like if they, all they do is they just open it up, they put a chip in, they close it up again, and keep selling the exact same product. It just seems weird to me. Where it's yeah. like, why would you leave? Why? If it's important enough for you to change it at all, why do you leave it four years between revisions? Maybe part of it is price, that if they say they put an A9 in this thing, or maybe even an A10, the prices come down on, the, on those chips at this point where they can do that and still sell this thing for, you know, whatever it is, 249 Right. Right. But, the, but like... I just wonder how much this, like, how many they're selling. It's so funny to me. the the uh, The iPod Touch webpage on Apple dot com is like it's a time bad. machine. Yeah, yeah. Well, the it's if you go to Apple dot com slash shop blah 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 buy iPod Touch, it is uh-huh. the old store design. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. That that'll be in the show notes. <laughs> what? 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 How? Also, how is that? Yeah. Also, a thing? I, I want to correct myself. It starts at one ninety nine for the thirty two gig. So it is – I mean, it's cheap. And so my thought on this is that if they do this, they've got to keep it at this low price point. That necessitates some things like no Face ID and according to what Steve has found, no Touch ID either. It doesn't have 
Touch ID now is just a regular old home button. So maybe all they do is, like you said, crack it open and just put another CPU in it, which I think is all it takes. Really, you just like slip it in in the air gap and shut it real quick so it can't get out. Yeah, before yeah. you get any dust in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do it quick. <laughs> I, sure. If they're gonna do it, then do it. It just I I wonder about the decisions that get made that lead to something like this, and it just seems really strange to me. Like I do wonder as well. Like is uh, again, for most people, like a large audience of people, do you need both the iPod Touch and the iPad Mini? Like, is there not of a like close enough overlap between those two products at this yes, point? Yes, there is some. Uh, I just figured that the iPod Touch is for toddlers and the iPad Mini is for kids age six and up, something like that. Parenting but, with Federico. Yes, it's, <laughs> that's how it works, right? Like, no, I, I'm sure that like this is something that people do, but like. That can't be why these products exist, though, right? Uh, um, maybe then it's just, I don't know, why do you think they exist? <sighs> so it currently fills a line on a spreadsheet. Like, let's well, look at go. our That's pricing options across good the... Good enough explanation to me. But, but like... <sighs> it's it, not it an also... ideal situation, but... <laughs> no. It's also the only uh, iOS device that ships with a headphone jack. So they have, it has that going for it. I don't, if you're I don't think that's that. a priority. <laughs> I don't think it, that's, that's... It is for some websites. <laughs> right, so uh. then it's like, that then, then like that's when I start to think, like, this is strange, right? That like Apple would ship a new product that has both a headphone jack and a home button. <laughs> and, and it's just like, <laughs> it seems really weird, right? It is, like, it is weird, but I mean, uh, you know, if, if the price point's important to them, then... They've got to do this sort of thing. You know, I, sure. I, I do wonder – we're not going to really talk about it, I don't think. Y'all talked. Y'all did a really good section on this on Upgrade this week. I'll point people there. Like this rumor that Apple's going to do a game streaming service of some sort. Like who mm. knows? But maybe this is the way into that. Maybe they really mm. rebuild this it's thing. It's not going to be a, powerful enough for, for most of the good games that they would want to be talking about. Probably not if it's one ninety nine, but if it's two ninety nine, and you could put a eleven in it, maybe it is. Right, but know? but then who's buying? Like, but then at that price with those specs, there's probably a better product closer, mm-hmm. which is then an iPad, right, of some description, which would maybe. be better for games anyway. Maybe, maybe the iPod Touch is just it's just the new expensive Siri remote. <laughs> <laughs> it works better Maybe than the Siri that's remote. What well, with 12.2, you know, I guess it will work. And it's got about as many useful buttons on it mm-hmm. as the Siri remote does. Bigger touchscreen area. Yes. Yeah, let's go for it. So I, we'll all just buy them for... It's like how we all buy we all buy Mac Minis for home servers. That's right. We'll all buy iPod Touches for Apple TV remotes. That's right. Uh, I have some real-time follow-up that the 9.7-inch iPad and the iPad Mini you can still buy still comes with a headphone jack. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right, but then it, but it's new products, right? New products, yeah. Because when the 9.7 inch was released, you could still buy iPhones with headphone jacks on them. Yeah. Who knows? New. Uh, I, I just find it interesting because this is a product that clearly the three of us at least are struggling with to kind of put in the world. And so I think Apple... Like, they could just update it and whatever, do it with a press release. But if they tell a story around it, I'll be really interested to see what that is. I want to know what Apple thinks, who Apple thinks this device is for. That's a that's an interesting question to me. I straight up don't think you're going to get an answer out of them. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> you don't think they're going to, like, seed it to cool YouTubers and they're like, that whole, that's probably not going to happen, is no, it? No, no. 
I don't think it would, right? Like, I, I, honestly, I feel like it will probably just, they'll just make some slight revisions to this very, very out of date page and, and then just like, that's it. Unless they do some kind of big visual design, which as much as I would want them to do if they're going to make a new product like this, I doubt is going to happen. So, uh, moving on, I, I have my the year of Stephen has suffered a blow. <laughs> it was, ne- it was never a year of Stephen. You had like the half of an episode of Stephen. That was all you got, and then here we're back here again because your good friend Joni with an H, Joni Sruji, uh, is reportedly staying at Apple now. Not, and he's not in the running for the Intel CEO position. Poor, poor Johnny. I hope that that got him like a pay rise. You know, like the 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 uh, the rumor of him leaving. Timmy brought him in and gave him a pay bump, and he's like, "Aha! I wasn't going to do anything in the first place." And it's all down to mm. you, Stephen. You did Schemey this, Timmy Johnny. He's upset with our coverage of this, and he heard the episode and said, "Screw that guy! Sure. I'm staying." Or, sure, or, you can believe that he really doesn't want you to win the predictions. <laughs> Avid connected listener Johnny Saruji, uh didn't want Steven yep. to win. Uh, his hobby, besides besides making chips, is participating in Connected's... Uh, he dislikes you so much, he doesn't even want you to get the ungraded points. I was going to say, joke's on him, it's not even graded, so... It's just, he you kept your job for you no reason, sir. Rights. Nothing. He doesn't want you to have a thing. <laughs> oh... Uh, Federico, you spoke last time about reading, and you asked yes. the audience for suggestions. And like I saw, like the email account and Twitter account, lots of suggestions. So, uh, what is going on in the Teachy Book Club? Okay, so uh, first of all, thank you everyone who sent and is still sending book suggestions on Twitter. I'm saving the most interesting ones. Uh, the recommendations so far have been really, really great. But something happened. Um, with one specific recommendation that uh, triggered something in me that I hadn't felt in in several years. So uh, the I'm gonna give you uh, the uh, the summary of what happened first. Uh, then I want to share some details. I started reading a book last week, and I'm now at iBooks or Books. The app says that I'm seventy percent into this book. So. Uh, I think I'm going to finish it between tonight or tomorrow. So the book is called Red Rising by uh, Pierce Brown. This recommendation came from listener and Maxoris reader, he says, Andras, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, and um, it was the perfect recommendation for me. I'm just quoting a few, he sent me a very nice email, I'm just quoting a few uh, parts. Uh, Andreas wrote, you said you loved fiction like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and were looking forward to get yourself into sci-fi a little more, but not too deeply. So that was key. I think I have the perfect recommendation for you and that's Pierce Brown's Red Rising books. So this, uh, this is a, a whole series. series. It's a yeah. whole series. There's, uh, I think, three books already out and one of the, the, the fourth one is coming out in 2019. Um... What convinced me, besides the fact that he uh, he said it's like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and sci-fi, but just not too deeply, um, he wrote that even though I only have time to read while commuting, I read the whole three available, uh, the series of three available books very quickly. So a busy person who got hooked on these books, despite the fact that he has a job and cannot read during the commute, uh, Harry Potter style mixed with sci-fi I'm in so I started reading and I was hooked in the first chapter um, basically it's the story of this um, it looks like there's five books 
Oh, five. Okay. So yeah, uh, no, there's four out now. The fifth comes out in July. There the idea go. would be that yeah. it's set in the distant future. I think the year twenty seven hundred or something. Um, uh, space has been colonized, and her uh, Earth has fallen to these colonies. Uh, there's a, a group of people leading this new um, space uh, society called the Society, and the Society has created various colonies on Mars and and the Moon and um, I think Mercury even. And there's a there's a hierarchy to the Society, um, and the protagonist is a slave. Um, basically all the, the people are organized by colors so there's the reds and the blues and the greens and the leading races the um, are the golds and this is the story of this i don't want to spoil it but this is in basically in the first not even the first half of the book this person who this protagonist who, who is um, setting up to overthrow the society that would be the basic story and what i love about this book is that um it's it's not when I say Harry Potter style, it's not that it's got magic. Of course, we have crazy futuristic technology and all kinds of things that don't exist. Uh, but it's the pace of the narration and the setting. So you have a young teenager as the main character, and then you have a school setting. Uh, so you get to know this the protagonist in a school environment with schoolmates and uh, relationships between um, people who go to this school. Uh, it's, it's very, very uh, easy to read, very well done. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I just... I keep thinking about the book when I'm not reading the book. Uh, all I want to do is read this book. So I, mm. I've stopped watching my TV shows. I've stopped playing video games because I just want to finish the first book. And I cannot wait to see how it ends. And I want to start on the second one. And I want to specify how I hadn't felt this way in years. Like, basically since the last Harry Potter book <laughs> came out. So thank you, Andras. Uh, excellent recommendation. Sounds sounds like it's primed to be turned into a TV show or a movie. I think the rights to the movie were actually sold to Sony a few years ago and the movie is still in the works. Maybe that's what Wikipedia okay. says, at least. The author, Pierce Brown, is very handsome, too. I'm uh, very young. On his Amazon page. Yeah. So if, if that is of concern to you, you now know that it was written by a handsome individual. That is my official that is my official input on your book. <laughs> I find the old right. the handsome. All right. Moving I, I, on. I ordered a copy. I put it on my Kindle, so I will I'm gonna check that out. Uh this week marks the ninth birthday of the iPad, nine years since that uh keynote. We're not gonna get into that today because nine years is a silly year to do that. We'll do that next year if we want. But I do want to point people to connected episode twenty four where we walked through that. Uh, we walked through that keynote that was back in 2015. Uh, solid episode. I listened to uh, part of it the other day, and I think it holds up. So that keynote is really pretty outstanding. It's not iPhone level. I don't think anything is iPhone level, but it's definitely got its own feeling that I think is uh, I think is good. And uh, I, I had put that in the show notes, and then I went to Twitter, and uh, Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge, uh, tweeted that nine years ago today, I published the first images of an iPad before it was ever announced. And I had totally forgotten about this. But I remember those images. Though. I remember when it happened. And I remembered how months later, 
uh, everybody figured out how in the same pictures there was a hidden iPhone 4. Yep. If you, and we didn't notice at the time, but it was there uh, along with the, with the first iPad. It was right there in a the corner of the pictures. Mm-hmm. Totally nailed it, including running uh, the Maps application. Like, this was a huge leak. Uh, and I, I remember people just freaking out. So it was fun to... Oh, yeah, look at that iPhone. Ha! That's hilarious. It's just yeah. sitting there on the table. Yeah, just plugged That's right brilliant. in. God, that iPhone 4 had a wild life. It sure did. All right, tiny topic number two. The most important thing. This is the most important thing we're talking yes. about today. Yeah, yes. we could just end the show after this. This should be a large topic, not a tiny topic. <laughs> this is, this the is the a massive topic. topic. <laughs> this is a sizable topic, I would say. <laughs> so, <laughs> Apple this morning announced that Apple Music subscribers can now stream from Apple Music on flights with American Airlines that are equipped with Wi-Fi. So, I'm sure a lot of people are familiar, but if you're not, uh, a lot of airplanes have wireless, but you got to pay for it, right? So it's like whatever it is, 10 bucks, and you get to use wireless on the flight. I, for one, am usually a sucker for this because usually mm-hmm. I have work to do. Not everyone uh, wants to pay for it or can afford it, but it's there as an option for some. And now you can use that, and basically Apple Music is, is free over that wireless. Um, if you sign up while you're on an airplane, which is just like, let's just take pause for a second. I don't know who is like subscribing to new music services while on an airplane. Like because it was free, you decided to sign up. I don't. I do it all the time. I, <laughs> I go on flights just to sign up for yeah, free. I stuff. tried Tidal last time I, I went to Chicago, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, this is where if Mike was editing, there'd be cricket sounds, but I'm not going to do that to myself. No, you should. If you were an impartial editor, you would. Yep. Yeah, but he's not. My integrity's been called into question. It's about ethics in podcast editing, Stephen. Do do what you will, the listeners will judge. I'm just saying. <laughs> the most amazing part of this press release, though, is the artwork. This is drawn <laughs> like the, this is how you get out of the airplane if it's on fire artwork that you are supposed to read, but no one does. <laughs> Uh, it's well, so good it's this guy he's just he's choosing his uh, his music and then he's enjoying it more than anybody's ever enjoyed music on an airplane it's so good out of context that's so good we had a you know we had a back and forth today between all of us on twitter and it was hilarious i will put a link in there i thought it was hilarious where we just with we're assuming what that guy was listening to and this is why it has completely taken over mm. our brains today. It's yes. All I can think about is this guy. I've downloaded the artwork, so I'll have it on my computer forever. It's just, the artwork is really funny. Like, it's just funny. And I don't, I also, like I was saying to Stephen earlier, I don't understand why they did it. It's just way too much work from an artistic perspective than is required for this press release. In a photo of an Apple, just Apple Music, like any Apple Music image that they have on a hard drive somewhere that they use for any press release would have, would do. It did not require this level of art direction, but I love so much that they bothered to do it because it's hilarious. My theory is that uh, if you scroll the press release and you go all the way to the bottom, you will see that the press contact for Apple is Brian Bunbury. And my theory is that Brian, in his free time, likes to draw. So what you see, the guy is actually Brian. Uh, this is him. Uh, 
it's a self-portrait. It's like, it's, he really enjoys it. <laughs> this is what Brian does on the Apple paid for uh, flights to Chicago or whatever on American Airlines. This is Brian. Um, this, this is what he does. Uh, so thank you, Brian, for the artwork and the excellent press release. Um, really good job. You should pursue your uh, career as an artist also. It's so meme-worthy. Like, just, it's. I love it so much. It's really good. It's the uh, show art this week. <laughs> Go look at your <laughs> podcast player. <laughs> I'm, I'm honestly considering that we just rebrand the entire show, and it's just all based around this, this airplane guy. Brian. His name is Brian. Brian. His name Brian. is Brian. So, Get it right. <laughs> we've got a lot more to talk about this week, but first I want to tell you about our first sponsor. And if you have a Mac or an iPad, you're going to want to listen to this one because our friends at Luna Display are saving us so much money and improving our workflow. Because with Luna Display, you don't have to spend a fortune on extra screens for your Mac because you already have an iPad. You can just use that by plugging in a tiny little bit of hardware. Just connect over Wi-Fi or USB and boom, more screen real estate. This means you can have multiple screens without having to go out and purchase another one. And for me, like if your desk isn't very big, you don't always have to have it there. You can just have an extra display when you need it. Uh, Luna Display is just, it works so well. They recently had an update that made it even faster, which I didn't think was possible. There's already basically no lag. And this update has made it even quicker. And I was, for one, really impressed with the the hardware, the little dongle you plug in. You can pick between uh, USB-C or main display port. Mine is just USB-C. It plugs right in the back of my iMac. It looks great. Super tiny. They did really did a great job with that packaging. Uh, and it's not just me saying this. Imore said that Luna will change your travel workflow. TechCrunch described the visual fidelity as frankly stunning. And Apple Insider said it's the first time a wireless solution for video has impressed them. Believe me when I say you will be happy with your Luna display. Go to lunadisplay.com and once you're there, enter the promo code CONNECTED at checkout for 10% off. That's lunadisplay.com and promo code CONNECTED at checkout. You're just going to love this thing. It's handy, it's smart, and it's going to save you money on extra screens. I'm going to give you that URL one more time, lunadisplay.com. Use the promo code CONNECTED. You're going to love it. Our thanks to Luna Display for their support of this show and Relay FM. So we've got a couple of things that I want to talk about today with the biggest caveats of like they are really complicated and they are still developing stories but we cannot let this week's episode go by without talking about them. And the first one is the FaceTime issue. So as a very quick recap, a couple of days ago, um, this was this was on Monday, right? I think it was on Monday. That sounds about right. Um, basically, some news had started to appear in certain outlets having been picked up from social media and Reddit and places like that, that it was possible if you performed a series of steps to be able to call somebody on FaceTime, and if you added your own number to the phone call quickly, it would consider that the call was failed on the recipient's end, but would open their microphone so you could listen in to them. And if you, again, press the series of buttons, I think it's like the volume buttons, you could for somehow turn on their microphone. It's like the weirdest, strangest bug that, somehow related in a pretty severe 
privacy situation. Um, uh, funnily enough, on Data Privacy Awareness Day, as as good, as our good old friend Mister Cook tweeted, and then like an hour later, <laughs> this this FaceTime bug started to appear. Um, Apple did the best thing they could have done in this situation was to, on the server side, disable group FaceTime. This is only affected on group FaceTime calls. If it's one on one, you can't add somebody to a call, so you can't activate the microphone. Um, and Apple have released a statement to say that they will have a fix out within the coming days um, to fix this. That doesn't surprise me because, honestly, this feels like a very serious bug yes. that I'm sure is going to take a ton of testing and work to fix. You know, like I see a lot of people being like, this is unacceptable this amount of time. But, I mean, I don't know enough about software development, but I can only assume that a situation like this, you cannot call it completed within a day because the amount of work it's probably going to take to fix it and test it because you now have to test it way better than you tested it the first time. Um, But at least Apple was very lucky. I think that this is just a problem for group FaceTime because if it was FaceTime as a whole, I don't know if they could have taken it down so easily because this is a communication method that people rely on. It's not, Good. I mean, as far as bugs in Apple software in recent history, this, I think, for me, is the worst by far. So I was thinking about this. Is this worse than the root admin So thing? I, I want to compare it to that in a minute. So I'm going to put that in the parking lot for a second. But uh, because it enables microphone or camera access without your knowledge – like that to me is is beyond anything else Apple has screwed up over the years. And to be from a company that says they take this seriously, it, it, it is it's awful. I mean, it, it I agree with the people who say it's an inexcusable bug. And it, it's one that they, you know, they responded quickly and they're going to get a push out this week. You know, my, my guess is we'll see a version of iOS maybe even tomorrow for, to fix that, if not this afternoon. As far as things you can screw up, I can't imagine many things worse than camera and microphone access. I think this kind of thing couldn't be more embarrassing than it is for Apple, right? Like, of all companies, this it, this is most embarrassing for them. Like, I've seen their uh them they put that big banner up didn't they during ces like what happens on your iphone stays on your iphone i've been seeing that memed quite a lot uh over Mm -hmm. the last couple of days because that is categorically in this case not true i mean i even saw today like this is the thing this story is still continuing to develop but i saw today on mac rumors that some that, that a lawyer is suing apple for this because somebody did this to them and heard something about a case that they was working on, right? And and so yeah, so app was hit over a lawsuit over FaceTime eavesdropping bug. Or think about people with like domestic abuse situations. Like there, there is no good that comes out of a bug like this, right? It is no. I mean, like I even saw someone say, like, "What about the president?" Right? Like world leaders that have iPhones. Right? That is, like that is the part that has concerned me the most. Is um, besides the con- the actual consequences of this is. The reaction that I've seen from a lot of people on Twitter saying that uh, basically a, a response along the lines of, so what? I have nothing to hide. And that, it, to me, is the symptom of, um, I, I would call it a disease, actually, um, that as a society we've been numbed 
to believe that any kind of privacy invasion is fine as long as we got nothing to hide. And the fact that we accept as inconsequential uh, a problem such as your phone can now listen into your private conversation. Or I got people saying, well, so what? I'm sleeping. Or so what? I have a HomePod or an Amazon Echo. I saw, I saw that one as well, right? I already have microphones around me that can listen at all times. The fact that you cannot see how not even pr- problematic doesn't even describe it, how wrong and dangerous it is for all kinds of people, whether you're sleeping or whether you're the president of a country or whether you're a lawyer working on a case, um, being able to, the ability for a phone to listen in, in the background is a problem, is a major problem that shouldn't happen. And just because it happened to Apple and group FaceTime doesn't mean they are excusable from this. Um, because just has just as we get upset at Facebook or Google, we should hold Apple accountable when these things happen to them. And the fact that I've seen these reactions from people who tend to, these are the same people that that tend to justify anything that Apple does, which I don't think they're, uh, from this point of view, their opinion really counts. But the general sentiment uh, of, I'm fine with the government or with Google or with Facebook or with Apple in this case, invading my privacy because I got nothing to hide, that That is what, and I'm not exaggerating here, this is what leads to the downfall of the concept of individual privacy to the eyes of the government or any major organization. It's so wrong, I cannot even describe it. This isn't even an an Apple problem. This is Apple having a hole in their software that enabled somebody else to break into somebody else's privacy. Right. Like this isn't a situation where accidentally a bunch of information got uploaded to Apple servers, but they were able to get rid of it. Right. This is like a hole in their software enabled for a period of time, which I don't even think anybody knows how long that period of time could have been. Right. That's the other problem. Yeah. I mean, I would assume the worst that it's when they shipped this new group FaceTime and iOS, what is it, 12.1? So it's been months. Right. So, and you, I mean, look, we all know how the internet works. There are people that have known about this and have been using this for a while. Right. Yeah. Like someone's yeah. found this and some, and people have been using this for nefarious purposes. Right. Without like, saying anything. Yeah. About these it. communities exist right on the internet. Right. Like that, that is 100% a thing that happens. And it may not have been a lot of people. It may not have been for a very long, but these, I don't know if it, you know, there can be bugs of this scale. The only one person was able to find out. Right. Like that. I don't, I don't believe that that's the way the internet works. But like the issue is here is it's not that like Apple screwed something up, which meant that it went to Apple. They screwed something up, which meant that any individual could listen into any individual's conversations. Like you, that you were able to open up very easily in very simple, reproducible steps, a direct line of hearing to somebody else's world. That is absolutely unforgivable. I'm very surprised and I hope that this is rectified, that we've not seen anything in the way of an apology from Apple on this one. Um, I, I know that they have done stuff like this more recently, but like uh, my only assumption is that they're waiting until they fix it and maybe do some due diligence so they can try and try and explain what happened. But like this is something that they must address. You, they cannot leave this. It was like, I, if I remember correctly, with the High Sierra 
uh, admin bug, they did actually issue an an apology, right? Like they did a- apologize. Um, and I haven't, and meaning you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but all I've seen is a statement, anything coming from Apple right now in regards to statements on this is, we are working on fixing this. I think so. And, and that's actually how it worked with the root deal. So this was with, yeah, uh, this was in November 2017. And, and mm-hmm. so in High Sierra, basically you could unlock things by just entering username root and no password. And that that was that's really that's awful. It's not the mm-hmm. privacy invasion thing we're talking about now necessarily, but these two things in my you mind still had to be in the physical space of somebody's computer, right? Which which adds a different level. I don't remember if you could do it remotely or not, but okay. The thing that I that I come back to with this is both the root thing and this. You would think I think would be relatively simple to find if your QA process worked. It just would, right? Like, how do how do we all? I mean, if you get a phone call and you don't want it, you hit the sleep wake button to send it to voicemail, right? Like, you just turn hit the volume button down. If that's triggering the camera, like, how did they not find that in QA testing? I I don't understand, but something seems like fundamentally broken in Apple's process with this to allow bugs like this out the door. It, it's you know, and, and the thing that really really grates me about this is they delayed group FaceTime because it was buggy. Remember, we tried it in the beta and like your phone just exploded. It like didn't work. And they said, hey, we're going to hold it back. We're going to make it work. We've used it since then. Three of us used it on a call last week. It worked well. But if you already delayed it because you had QA issues and then something like this comes out, like whatever QA process you have, whatever QA team you have is not doing is not working. They're not doing their job. The process isn't doing what it's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. From the other end of the story, how this bug was reported to Apple, uh, I find the entire process. Uh, so there, there was an article on The Verge that detailed the timeline of how this um, 14-year-old kid discovered the bug and his mother, who's a, a lawyer, I think in Arizona, they started contacting Apple and she, uh, she, as a lawyer, actually wrote a formal letter to Apple. They got in touch with the email that Apple advises people to use for discovering security issues. And yes, they wanted to participate in the bug bounty program that Apple has to reward people who discover important security issues. But uh, I've seen people make jokes about that. And honestly, I think it's fine. Every company has these programs and people are, are allowed to take advantage of them. The fact is that... Um, this, per- this person gets in touch with Apple and um, sends a video and a letter. Uh, there are details on how to reproduce this problem, but still... They filed a radar. They, they, <laughs> they, so first, th- this person is asked, so a regular citizen with no developer expertise is asked to sign up for a developer account and file a radar. So they d- actually do that. They file a radar on the bug report website, and the radar is marked as a duplicate, of course, radar being radar, and two to three days pass, and Apple does nothing, and at this point, the person goes public with the disclosure of the bug. Um, this is incredible to me. I don't know what you guys think, but this is incredible. I had some, like, 
complicated feelings about this as it was unfolding. But by the time that we got all of the information out, I agree with you that it is unbelievable. Like, because at first it was like there was just the email that was sent to like Apple product security. And my thought was like, they must get so many of these every single day. And it's people that are like, I found a bug. My printer quit working. (laughs) Or it's just like, I found a bug give me money, right? Not, you know what I mean? Like that I'm sure people find bugs in iOS every day and then try and get money out of it because like whatever. But it was once I had seen everything that ended up coming out via like, it was the reporting, uh, I think a lot by uh, John Mayer of, uh, I'm, I'm not sure where he was publishing this, right? But like, I it was, was that right? Like there's a guy called John Mayer who seemed to be having a lot of conversations with people about this. Yes, I think it's yes. linked a lot, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure where it was actually being published, other than on his Twitter account. But his tweets, The Verge wrote everywhere. an article linking to his tweets. Also, yeah, yeah. So I mean, like, I'm not sure where, like, how and where he got in touch with this. Like, I, I don't, I'm not familiar with the, with the guy, but like, he seemed to be doing a lot of the initial reporting. But like, as it was starting to unfold, like, I don't understand how something wasn't done about this. Like, at the point that it got to radar. At the point that it was then marked as a duplicate, which means someone's looked at it, like, I don't understand how something wasn't done more quickly. It just seems so peculiar to me. Like, and, yeah. and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna attempt to say that, like, I understand how these things run. Right. Or like, I, for all we know, they were working on it and just didn't want to publish anything about it because they didn't want to, like, get it around. Like, I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is that this whole process appears from the outside to be fundamentally flawed. Yeah. And also, um, something that I've seen on Twitter a lot is uh, a common type of comment on this story of, um, well, there are people working at Apple and I sympathize with people uh, because people can screw things up sometimes. And that, to me, is just a pretty way to defend apple in the sense that yes even doctors who have incredibly complex surgeries are people and then can screw it up sometimes but the the purpose of um being a professional is to have responsibility and to be held accountable for your work and to say oh well people screw it up sometimes would you say that to a doctor who was supposed to save your life but he didn't would you say that to the rocket scientist that was supposed to fly a rocket but she screwed it up and the rocket exploded uh would you would you share that type of comment or well i understand it's people and people screw like that doesn't mean anything that comment does nothing to 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 this discussion so um it's a screw up and hopefully it's a lesson that apple can learn from with things like this if you are a company that purports themselves to be better than everybody else (laughs) you open yourself up to more scrutiny like if what you are saying is if you're like one of your core tenants for your brand is privacy and security and you have a privacy and security flaw it's worse for you because you've already told me that you are going to be better at this than everybody else. You have told me that by buying your product, I am more secure. So when you have a security issue, it's worse for you than it is for the other people because you've told me, they're not telling me, right? Like company X is not saying to me like, buy this phone because then you're secure. 
you told me that as a selling point of your product. So when you have a problem, it is worse. It's like when I promised people I was going to talk about the iPad Pro and then I didn't. Exactly. And then everyone's (laughs) like, well, we made an agreement here where you were going to tell me about the iPad Pro, but you didn't do it and you let everybody down. But then you ended up living up to it and you issued your apology. Yeah, I did. Mm Mm-hmm. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Drafts, where text starts. When an idea strikes, you don't want to write it down later. You want to write it down right now. Because if you're like me, it could be gone in seconds. You got to capture it while it's here. Whether it's an idea for a new podcast or a movie you've been meaning to watch or something you just need to pick up from the store, when it comes to notes, now is always better. Draft launches ready to type, and it's the quickest way to jot down ideas or notes. Uh, Dictate notes. The dictation in drafts is so good. Uh, And you can draft messages or social media posts right there so you can think about it, spend your time on it, and then send it off to where it needs to go. And Drafts has a super configurable editing environment, making it a friendly, trusted place to edit and update any text on your iOS devices with loads of fonts and themes to choose from. Once you capture that text, powerful actions and automation tools let you do almost anything with it. You can send it as an email or a message, post it to Twitter. You can save it as a file to Dropbox, iCloud, Evernote, and more. So we said automation, so that means it is time to hear from Federico Vitici. Yes, so um, I love drafts, and but not for the reason that the tagline explains um the tagline is where text starts i love drafts because it it can do that and except and it's an excellent app to do that but drafts for me is the dream of the uh, fully customizable text editor so the idea that you have a place where you can make text looks the way that you want to by changing the appearance of the text editor. You can have actions that are exactly what you need and you can categorize them uh, in groups and you can modify your workspace to um, be an actual workspace. You can create multiple workspaces and you can customize what actions are loaded for each workspace. You can use tags to organize your documents and you can uh, even set defaults for what are the action groups that I want to load by default when they workspace appears and then there's javascript you can create all kinds of actions that combine visual steps sort of like shortcuts with code and this was um uh, it saved me so much time last summer when i was working on my ios 12 review the ability to create um actions that use JavaScript to sort of create little programs that run into dra- in, inside of drafts. I was able to create a, a little script that scanned my entire review for certain placeholders, and those placeholders became reminders. And those reminders in the actual Apple Reminders app had a link in their notes field, and when I tapped the link, I was taken back to drafts to the exact point of the document where the placeholder was uh, included. Nice. It's incredible. Yeah, it's incredible what you can do. There's all all kinds of things you can experiment with. There's a uh, another great part is the community behind drafts. Everybody's just super nice and super into like the idea of letting you understand drafts and sharing scripts and, and actions with you. It's all like from the tech starts idea to the text editor uh, and the customization to the community. Everything is just awesome. And uh, it's, it's um, you know, drafts whenever I need to do something with text that I cannot do anywhere else this is what I use. So um, super recommended. 
Try Drafts in your doc for a week right now for free. Just go to getdrafts.com. If you don't have a note system you're super happy with, you're basically missing your second brain. So get it sorted now. Go to getdrafts.com. Our thanks to Draft for their support of this show and Relay FM. TechCrunch uh, on Tuesday reported uh, that Facebook, uh, Josh Constantine at TechCrunch, Facebook was secretly paying people to install uh, what they called Facebook Research VPN. So we got to back up a second. We remember uh, last year, Apple removed Facebook's uh, uh, Onavo. Onavo. How do we want to say this? On, 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 I say Onavo, but I don't. I'm know. I'm going to go with that. Onavo. Onavo. <laughs> sounds Italian know. enough. Oh no, Avo. Vo. <laughs> this this was a VPN by Facebook, and uh, they were using it because if you have VPN, the VPN provider. If they're so inclined, like they, they potentially see what you're doing. And Apple said you can't do that, and they removed it. Uh, it was removed in August. Facebook decided that that wasn't acceptable, and they were allowing people to sideload it through what is called a uh, inter- is an enterprise certificate, enterprise developer program certificate. So this is a tool that you can use if you're a developer to run internal apps on devices. So, mm-hmm. for instance, say that Federico was writing a uh, Espresso tutorial app, app for the iPhone and iPad, and he wanted us to test it. Instead of dealing with test flight, you could, if you were an enterprise developer, which obviously you would be, yes. you can distribute this. So there's a profile that the user downloads on their phone, and that profile allows them to install this application. And then from there, it's just an app running on the phone. So it's a, it's a way to, to get around Apple's uh, systems. And it is designed for people who are testing apps at scale to say, hey, we have a thousand employees. Let's let them all use this new build of whatever and see if they find any bugs. Maybe Apple should have done this with group FaceTime. But uh, you can see how this is used, right? So it's it's a it's built with the intention for testing uh, purposes. A lot of big companies, like it's come out with Facebook, use it for all sorts of internal things. You know, Facebook, we've all been to its, their campus. It's like Disneyland. You can order a burrito on your on your burrito app, Facebook burrito app, and it shows up at your office or whatever. Where this, where they broke the rules is that they were using this with members of the public to install this application. And this application had already been banned from Apple from the App Store, but they still wanted people to use it. So this Facebook research app was part of a larger project called Project Atlas. It's like pretty good code name for taking everyone's data. Like hats off to you for picking a good code name, Facebook. This was a VPN uh, and the to track and like look at data plan usage. But part of the overall project was like, hey, uh, could you – uh, maybe upload what you've ordered from Amazon. And like basically Facebook was just using this program. This VPN app was part of the program to gather ungodly amounts of data on these users. And uh, some of these users were given $20 a month in gift cards. So I guess uh, that's the, the price of privacy for some people, but clearly bad. So this comes out in TechCrunch and – it's safe to say, like, at least our corner of the internet just, like, burned to the ground, right? People are furious, and people are calling on Apple to 
respond to this. And there are people, and I will count myself in this group, that think Apple gives big companies more leniency than small companies. Like if this were an indie developer, they would be banned from the app store forever. No questions asked. Like you are done. Uh, Instead, what Apple has done here is they have revoked this certificate, which not only breaks this application, but breaks all of Facebook's internal applications. There's reporting. There was a, actually, while, while we have been recording the show, Facebook had a, uh, a statement to recode, basically saying all of our internal apps are broken. We're trying to negotiate with Apple to get this turned back on. So, so that's the story. That's kind of where we are today. We're recording this. This could be different in a matter of hours. But um, while we've been recording, it's also broken that Google has sort of a similar project running using their enterprise certificate. So Facebook is not the only one to break this rule. Google seems to be doing it too. This, I mean, that story got published like as I'm speaking right now, seven minutes ago. So that is a very new part of this. Uh, so I think, I feel like that's the news, but I want to see how, what you guys think of it, what do you think of Apple's response to it? And like, what is the way forward for these two, now three companies to get along? I think ultimately Apple has done the best thing that they could given the situation that they had at hand. Uh, you know, it would be it would be really great if they found a way to to maybe punish Facebook more, but you've got to assume that they're trying to not then upset all of Apple's own users, right? Like so, so what does let's be specific? What does punish Facebook more mean? Does it mean pulling Facebook, WhatsApp, and Instagram from the App Store? Sure, I mean like that's the that's you know that's what they would do to a smaller developer in a situation like this, right? Like that they would be like, "You're done now, goodbye." But like the problem is in that situation, it hurts more people than just Facebook, and and I think that's the line you have to walk, right? There are a lot of things that Apple can also do behind the scenes, I guess, to make things more difficult for Facebook, right? Like promotion and all that kind of stuff. Like that's all going to be, I guess, where we're going to go back to the drawing board for a lot of those types of things, right? Like and and like uh, PR for new app launches and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they have done, I think what they have done is very interesting in that, they have made things exceedingly difficult for Facebook as a company, right? Like what they have done is make things very, very complicated and very, very uncomfortable for Facebook and its employees without harming the users of the apps. And like for good or bad, right? So here's the thing. If they did this, I would be super mad that I wouldn't be able to use Instagram. I would be, right? Me. I want to use Instagram. And if they were like, nope, Facebook, you're gone and all your apps are gone, I would be upset about that, right? Like, let's be, I want to be real about this. It'd be a huge blow to their entire ecosystem. Yes. And like, so they, they've got to kind of like weigh up what they can weigh up, is my opinion. Um, 20 minutes ago, uh, Facebook confirmed to Bloomberg that all of its, all of its employee only internal apps are offline. They are trying to negotiate with Apple right now. Um, 
So, my thoughts on this. I have said this before. I want to go on the record with this. I don't care if you disagree with me. Uh, you don't need to tell me. My personal belief is that Facebook is ruining modern society. Uh, it is the prime cause of the... It's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. You can, you can Google it and see what it's all about. Uh, it, it is ruining all kinds of people and their thoughts and their self-esteem and love for um, an idea of privacy. Uh, so the I wish that Apple did more. I realize how unrealistic that is to think that Apple is suddenly gonna pull Facebook from the App Store uh, or Instagram or WhatsApp or Messenger. Um, this feels like the right approach of going behind the scenes to hurt them without actually causing trouble to the users. The users have done nothing wrong here. Uh, people like my mom or my girlfriend or Mike and I or Steven, uh, we've done nothing wrong. Uh, we didn't par participate in this program. Uh, and to remove Facebook or Instagram or WhatsApp from the app store would be unrealistic, would be maybe too much right now. But to hurt Facebook in this way from a technical standpoint is the right approach. Now, is Apple going to negotiate with Facebook? Is an apology going to be enough? Or things are, are things going to go back to normal by tomorrow? Maybe. Because ultimately, these are corporations. Are corporations, you know, they can, they can work behind the scenes. They can, uh, you know, have a handshake and everything is going to be fine. Um, so it's possible that things will be back to normal in a couple of days' time. Um, I think overall... As um, you know, b beyond the App Store, beyond Apple, beyond these, the details of this latest screw up from Facebook, we are. I am optimistic that we are on a path um, to get rid of Facebook from our lives. It's gonna take years, but I think people are just fed up. It's one story after the other, mm -hmm. and it's too much. So, and it's 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 um, it's unbelievable. Like it. It's not even. I don't even think it's desensitizing. Like I, I, I think a lot of people can make the argument that like, oh, there's so many things. It's desensitizing, but it's so many different things. They just it's it's, it's just unbelievable. So what they do. I would say that by and large, when when I've heard you say this kind of stuff in the past, and like many of our friends, I've kind of been a bit like, eh, I don't know. But I think over the last couple of weeks, especially, I've really started to turn a corner on what I think about Facebook as a company, uh, I've, I've, I've feel like I've, I've had enough personally yeah. too. Like I can really see how terrible they are. Like I, I feel like it, that, that like I am becoming very aware of it. Like there is just, it's, it's unbelievable. Like it is unbelievable that there are people consciously making these decisions about what they want to do with the data of their users and the way they want to treat them. So are you, are you going to remove your account? Probably. I mean, I don't even use Facebook. I mean, I, uh, Facebook proper, right? Facebook Prime. Yeah. I don't use it. Um, and I haven't used it for years. I My account just sits there. And it's for like dealing with events that my family invite me to, effectively. Yes. Like that's yes. I don't I don't feed Facebook with anything and I don't access it. But I am an Instagram user and I am a WhatsApp user. And I have no desire to remove either of those services from my life. Like, I'm being honest, right? Like, this goes back to the thing of, like, well, I, I don't, personally, I don't think that those two decisions have to be the same. Of, like, I don't like this company. I don't like what it's doing. 
then point two is then do I harm my own life because of it? Because Instagram brings me happiness in my life and WhatsApp is required for me to be able to communicate with some of my family members. So like what am I gonna do? Like what is what is my what is my path here? Like do I feel like I need to make a personal stand for the sake of everybody? No, I don't think I need to do that. I can tell you what I think about it right now and then you can decide to make your own point on it. I don't think that Mike Hurley leaving Facebook is going to really no. affect the needle that much. No. But no. so like so yeah, I probably will get rid of my Facebook account when I get around to bothering to do it. But I'm not, but the point is, I'm not going to remove my Instagram account and I'm not going to remove my WhatsApp account. Like, I'm not going to do those things. The, what I believe should happen is that the, the entire board of Facebook should be replaced and Facebook itself should be heavily um, regulated uh, in every country where it operates. Because it's not just like, it, it, it is kind of generic to say Facebook is ruining society. Um, I, I do believe that by indulging in the sweet lie that is uh, that in democracy every opinion counts no matter how no matter the, the degree of truth that each opinion has. Um, Facebook has found the system to monetize spreading lies and, uh, and alternative facts some people would call them uh, and and turning the minds of of teenagers and and you know. Uh, people over six years old, all kinds of people, to believe that certain things that are um, ob objectively not true are actually true, but the system doesn't want to tell you, and therefore Facebook is the truth, because only Facebook can show you those facts, from vaccines to, um, to global warming to all kinds of modern truth accepted by um, average people of average intelligence. Um, Facebook has found the system to monetize the spreading of these lies, and for this reason alone, it should be heavily regulated because it's a system uh, largely designed to deceive people uh, for their own gain. And I cannot believe that. Um, you know, I, there's rumors of, for example, the Italian government looking to tighten the screws on Facebook, for example, and Google for how they present news and quote-unquote news. Um, I honestly believe that 2019... I honestly hope that 2019 is the year that this happens uh, because it's this is just too much. This is too much. I am personally the belief that in general, like large companies, large, large companies don't necessarily have a requirement for heavy regulation, but I feel like it gets to a certain point where you're not allowed to, to continue, right? And I, and I feel like Facebook has passed that point now, right? Where like, I don't necessarily believe that just because a company is large that, that it has then walked itself into requirement of heavy regulation from the world's governments. But you only are allowed so many, <laughs> like, mess-ups, right? Like you, 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 and this, this is not even mistakes. This Mistakes is one thing, right? Like, this this thing that Apple has, has found themselves in, right? Like, what most likely happened is they just didn't test it well enough. But a lot of this Facebook stuff, including especially this 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 VPN project that they've been going on, was like they weren't trying to do anything other than get data from people that they could use in different ways, right? Yeah, it was an active like, decision to build this. Yes. So like that is when you start to lose your uh, ability to run yourself is when you can't be trusted. And they can't be trusted at this point. So like, yeah, I, I think that they should have to answer to governments, which they currently are choosing not to like 
Facebook are doing absolutely everything they can to ignore the government in my country. Uh, like the, the the UK government has, has requested the presence of Mark Zuckerberg on multiple occasions now, and he will not come. They he keep they keep sending other people, and I think that that is honestly uh, ridiculous, right? That like the government of a country in which you operate in requires your CEO to come and talk to them about the things that his company has been doing, and he just decides not to show up. Like, like I think that nothing nothing exemplifies. The, the way that this man thinks about the world than something like that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's so complicated sitting here, you know, hearing y'all talk about it. So I, I left Facebook years ago and I actually just spoke to y'all last week about it, how I had a situation catching up with some old friends who hadn't seen in years and like just having the realization, like, I don't know what's going on in everyone's life. Because in, in my social circle, at least, Facebook is still sort of the currency. You know, it's where people share things. And I expressed to y'all, like, sort of like this feeling of, you know, I kind of don't know what's going on with some people because I'm not there. And, and maybe I should revisit that. I can tell you this has cured me of that feeling uh, 100%. But I do use WhatsApp and I use Instagram. And uh, like you, Mike, WhatsApp is critical for communicating with some people in my life. And Instagram is something that I just enjoy. And I, I don't know what it would take for me to leave those. The rumor of them combining the messaging may be enough, honestly. But clearly, I think I think anyone could look at this with any sense and realize that, that Facebook, the way that it is structured and the way that it operates, uh, cannot continue. And you know, Zuckerberg is, is basically invincible. But so, something you said that really I thought about it, for a second was uh, f- we cover this on download a lot, but you know, Facebook and Google and, and Twitter, these, these CEOs have all spent time in front of Congress here in the United States. And every single time the questions are laughable, right? Like a Congressman asked Mark Zuckerberg how Facebook makes money. And his answer was, sir, we run ads. Like until we have leaders in all three of our countries and beyond who understand this stuff and who can talk about it intelligently, it's never going to change. I don't have the hope that you have, Federico, that it's going to fade because who can do it? You know, Governments can do it, but governments don't understand it. And that's, I think, something that I want to consider more and more moving forward. Like, How do we, as societies, arm ourselves better to deal with these sorts of companies? My, my 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 instant reaction to this is not a good one, which is just like, God, I don't think we can. Yeah, I mean, there's. The, I just I've, don't think. Yeah. I don't think it's possible. Yeah, I mean, def- feeling defeated in in the you know, like who has the power to bring Facebook on? Only governments. That's it, right? Like no no one else can do it. So maybe it's just something that we gotta learn to live with. Like some people smoke for example, and mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. something that exists. And some people have Facebook some accounts. Some people use Facebook and believe what's on Facebook. What if, so, what if you, so. like in the future, you go to a bar and like there's a sign, it's like you cannot use Facebook in here. You have to go outside in the cold. You know, like... That is an excellent idea for a bar, actually. I would, uh, I would go wanna, to that bar. You want to invest? You want to invest? Let's do it. We're going okay. to open a bar. What's the an, what's an name? What's oh, an name man. Um, I don't know. I, IRL. IRL. That'll be the co- that's the code name. That's the project code name, at least. Okay. Okay. <sighs> is that it? I, I don't want to talk about this anymore. This is all depressing and upsetting. It's so depressing. It's so depressing. Yeah. Like I'm, yes. I, I'm genuinely sorry 
that we have had to have this conversation. Because the, the downfall of society is not a fun topic. Turns out, no, like yeah. because I'll just say, like <laughs> as somebody who enjoys listening to podcasts, we have presented to you an episode which you cannot enjoy. Uh, so I apologize for that because that's not the type of content that I like to make. But I feel like we had to talk about it. We, I feel like we would have it would have it would have been a disservice to our listeners if we would not have addressed these topics today. And we don't we purposefully make a habit of of trying to stay away from stuff where we where really all we're going to do is just be upset and mad for like an hour. Um, but I feel like that there was there was no way of avoiding these two things today because it's companies that have done things that are that need that they they need to beg for our forgiveness and i don't know if everyone's even gonna bother doing it but we'll find out i guess this episode of connected is brought to you by squarespace make your next move with squarespace it lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain award-winning templates and more so maybe you want to create an online store and have a portfolio so people can see your art. Or maybe you just want to be like Federico and write the next amazing blog. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do all of that stuff. And the best part is there's nothing to install. There's no like software patches, server administration stuff. No upgrades are needed. You don't have to worry about it because Squarespace has got it covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. Their system allows you to quickly and easily grab a unique domain name. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. So one thing Squarespace offers is really nice landing page templates. So I uh, recently updated mine. So my... Uh, my sort of like email address for 512pixels and my other stuff is hackit.fm. And I just wanted a simple page there. So someone saw my email address and wanted to see what that was about. They can go there. They see a picture of me, a couple paragraphs of what I do, and a link to get in touch. Really simple. And Squarespace made, made it so easy to put together in just a couple of minutes. And it looks great. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com connected. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code connected to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for this show. Once again, that's squarespace.com connected and the code connected to get 10% off your first purchase. I'd like to thank Squarespace for their support. Squarespace, make your next move. Make your next website. It's a nice little, nice little website you got going on over there. Thanks. It's got my cool little neon picture, picture for this year on there. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. it would be a shame if something were to happen to it. <laughs> well, Squarespace has that covered. I'm not worried about you DDoSing me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I want to talk about the <sighs> iPhone 10R a little bit. We'll end with something colorful and fun. So for a while now. Apple has been saying that the iPhone XR is the best-selling iPhone of this generation. So they, there was an interview on CNET a while back about it, and in their quarterly results call this week, it was mentioned again that this, the order of sale is XR, XS Max, and then the XS bringing up the lead for, for new phones. Right? So I don't know where the 8 and 7, et cetera, mix into that. 
But most people who do what we do, podcasts and rival technology for a living, gravitate towards usually towards the high end. I think most listeners of the show, a large portion of them at least, gravitate towards the high end. And this year that was the 10s Max. That's what all three of us bought. That's what a lot of our friends bought. A lot of our friends bought the 10s. But it's been sort of rolling around in my head that the 10R, if it's the most popular phone, like I, I feel like it's worth us understanding why that is and and really examining the phone as not just something on the website or something we saw in the store, something we lived with for a while. So uh, last week I embarked on a little experiment, as I uh, want to do sometimes, and I picked up a, a blue 10R and I put my SIM card in it, moved my stuff to it because I wanted to understand what this phone offers and how it compares to Apple's other products this year because the 10R is substantially less money, $250 less than the 10S and a whopping $350 less than the 10S Max. And I wanted to know what that money bought you and if that money was worth it. So uh, I, I would love to talk about that. I'd love to answer any questions you all have about it. Uh, I will defend that blue is the best color choice if I need to. So what do you guys want to talk about this? Don't, ag- don't agree with that. I think Carl is clearly the best choice. Um, but I, th- I think one of the best things about the 10R is that you have that choice. Um, well, I think my first question to you is, where is this 10R now? It's uh, right here on my desk, next to next to my 10S Max, which is off. There's a lot of iPhones in here. Hmm. So, which are you still using the 10R? Yes, I saw. Yeah, I saw a picture your wife posted on on Instagram of you using mm-hmm. it, and I was and I thought I locked that one away in my brain. <laughs> He's still using it. Yeah, I've got till Monday for the return uh, policy is up. So uh, this is a uh, purchase a thing as a review unit and then return it or not return it. Uh, which mm. I know is like like I know like we took some flack for this on Twitter. Like I know that's ridiculous. Like I know that I'm privileged to be able to do this. I'm privileged that my business can afford it, and it's a business exp- – like, I understand all of that. I understand most people can't do this. But I was able to, and so I really wanted to compare them because most people are just going to buy a single phone, not even every every year like we do. And so I felt like I have the opportunity to compare them, like, in a direct way, like the 10R versus the 10S Max. And using the iPhone 10 last year, I can sort of assume some things about the 10S that I think are accurate still. So – uh, I am still using it. My SIM card is still in it. Uh, I have until Monday to decide what to do. And where are you leaning on it? I'm leaning towards keeping it, uh, and I'm leaning towards keeping my SIM card in it because I think that it it is – like if this was the only iPhone this year, it would be a great phone. Like it is – we can talk about the differences between it and how I th- what I think about those differences – but I think especially for the money, and yes, it is too expensive. I, I wish that it was six ninety nine instead of seven forty nine, that which would have been the price of the iPhone eight. The pricing right now is like right in between the eight and the eight plus. It's a little too expensive for what it is, but it's a really enjoyable iPhone. There's a lot that I really like about it. And and something that honestly surprised me and, and maybe what pushes me over the edge, and I know this is gonna be painful to say because uh it's the two of you, and because Casey Liss is listening, I think the 10s Max is too big for me. I think that the 10R That's fine. is actually the biggest phone I want to carry. I think it doesn't bother me because the 10R is still bigger than the 10s. That's so true. You're still in the big phone club. Mm-hmm. It's just not the biggest phone yeah, club. The medium phone club, which is the best phone club, but you're in like you'd be in like a medium phone club, with the smallest one being the worst club. 
to be in. <laughs> <laughs> Who wants to be in a small club? Nobody does. I don't know. Big clubs only. Mm-hmm. I really, I really like the tenor size. I think the max is a little too, a little too big for me. And I didn't know that. It's one of those things like you can't know that until you go back. And like I unboxed the tenor and started using it. It's like, oh, oh boy. <laughs> yes, it is. It's the sweet spot. It's like it. Yeah, is it's the, the Goldilocks. I call it the Goldilocks phone in my review. Like it, it is the in betweeny phone. What What is Goldilocks? Uh, Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Do you know this? This, nope. this Goldilocks I mean, is a girl and she's lost in the forest and she goes into if, a house. No, and so like this is a story. This is a yeah, story. It's a, it's a yeah, children's it's story. It's like a fairy tale fable. What is porridge? I don't know which one it would be. It's like oatmeal, but oh, worse. Gosh. Yes. Okay. <laughs> What's oatmeal? Okay, you have to remember I don't share your traditions of the Anglo Saxon world. Um, right. The thing is, though, Federico, like, you, you throw these things in every now and then. Of what? The amount of them that, like, oh, I don't get this, or like, it's I, true. Just, I don't, don't know what God is. Hang on, <laughs> hang on. I believe you, but the thing is, it's very easy to forget because there are so many that you do know, mm. right? Well, like, because while like, Goldilocks and the idea of Goldilocks has been used in so many cartoons and TV shows that, like, you are yeah. probably more aware of it than you would know that you it's are. It's a word. I've seen before. I just never bothered to um, search. I would. What it I is. would bet that you have seen some cartoon or TV show that has referenced this directly. That, like, if I was to sit down and really explain it to you, we could find a common ground. But there's like no point. I have googled Goldilocks and porridge. Porridge looks horrible. Do people eat this? This is. It's like a. Poor man's risotto. What? What is this? Oh my god! It's not. It's breakfast risotto. Is what it is. Nope. Uh, close. It's a breakfast. Command W. Um, Goldilocks. Okay, I will read Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Thank you. It's Sorry. A star- it's a Star Wars story. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Goldilocks. Uh, anyway. I, 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 I don't know where we're so, going. So with the, this the size. Right, the size so- is really nice. I really like the size. Uh, I do want to talk about the screen because that's. The screen and the camera are the biggest differences. So, yes, having used an OLED phone for a year, over a year, going back to an LCD, it's a little bit of a bummer. Like, the colors aren't as nice. I mean, OLED is just a nicer technology. And, yes, the bezels are thicker than on the 10s and 10s Max. Um, that's going to bother some people. But we have to remember who the 10R is for and who I think it's for is people upgrading from an iPhone 6, 6S, or 7. And if you want a modern iPhone with Face ID and no home button, the 10R clearly, according to the numbers, is the most popular option for those sorts of consumers. And those sorts of consumers, it has basically no bezel compared to what they had. And the screen is just more of what they had before. So it is the same pixel pixel density as the iPhone you know, six, seven, eight, you know, that, that same density we've had since the Retina iPhone first appeared. It is not the higher density that we've seen on the Plus phones and then on the iPhone 10 and 10S phones. But if you have an iPhone 7 in your pocket now and you like that LCD, you will like the LCD on the iPhone 10R because it is the same screen. There is just more of it. It just flows into the corners like it does on the OLED display. So, yes, coming from an iPhone 10. It's a little bit of a bummer, but 99.9% of people aren't doing that. It's just people like me who have time on their hands to fiddle with these things. The, the lack of 3D touch is really interesting. So 
the the iPhone 10 R ships with haptic touch, which is more or less long press, and you hold there for a second, and you get a haptic feedback, and then the thing happens. So this is built into Control Center and into the lock screen, so you can do the flashlight and the camera. It's slightly slower than 3D Touch, and you do lose things like the app screen or the app home screen shortcut thing. What is that called, Federico? That's a name, right? Like the 3D Touch on the app um, icon. And you, quick actions? Quick actions on the home screen, yes. You don't have those. For me, my personal experience, all I can speak to, uh, I don't miss those. Like I, I, I never really used them, uh, and so not having them on the 10R is not a huge loss. Now, if that's really important to your workflow, you're going to have a sad time. What's interesting about getting rid of that, though, is the confusion between 3D touch and long press is gone. So like, I think we've all had people like, how do you move screen uh, apps on your screen? Well, you put your thumb down and they wiggle around and then you move them. Oh, I pressed too hard and now I have this menu and oh, I didn't press hard enough. Like all that's gone. Uh, it's just it's just simpler. So that for me, at least, is not a big deal. I do miss. Pe- that's my deal breaker. 3D Touch is my deal breaker with the iPhone XR. You you really like it? I use it a lot. And the haptic touch is not good enough in some of my key areas. One is like notification previews. And initially it didn't have them, but then when they added them, it's it's, it's weird. Slow. It, it they've, they've done a bad job of it because for some reason they haven't implemented it the same way they've done it on the iPad, which doesn't make any sense to me. So on the iPhone with 3D Touch and on the iPad, you know, you just press down and it opens up and then you can look at it and then you could like, without even lifting your finger off the screen, you could just swipe down, head over like a button and then you could let go and it activates the button, for example, right? Like it's it's one smooth action. But on the 10R, you have to take your finger or thumb off the screen for the, for the notification content to be presented to you in the pop action. And... I don't know why they did this. It, it seems very strange to me. Uh, and I think that, that that kind of breaks it for me. It breaks my interaction method. It makes it less less nice to use. And I'd use just general peek and pop throughout the iPhone. Um, that I miss. A lot. And so I would, I would, I, I did miss this when I was testing a 10R. Um, and I, it is a regression uh, if you are a user of that technology. It is. And, and that's that's the thing for me that I miss the most in the realm of 3D Touch. What I would like to see Apple do is build Haptic Touch to replace everything with 3D Touch and then bring it to the iPad. So like the iPhones, whatever model you get in the iPad, all work the same way in this regard. The iPad is not going to get 3D Touch, mm. I don't think. Uh, the 10R, you know, may, there's a rumor that the 10R2, for lack of a better name, could be getting an OLED display, which maybe brings 3D Touch back, in which case Haptic Touch is like a weird side story to this phone. But if it's the future, if they're going to get rid of 3D Touch, like it has been rumored for a long time, they need to make this work all the same everywhere. And right now it's just pretty messy. So, again, something to consider that if the, if these are features that you want – then like is the $250 worth it or are you just going to stay on your old phone for another year and see what happens which is probably what most people are going to do looking at Apple sales numbers the other big thing uh, and is a bigger thing for me is the the camera so the the rear shooter is a single lens camera on the back it is the same wide angle lens that's on the 10s those pictures the, the wide angle pictures between my 10s max and 10r are effectively identical i cannot tell a difference but it lacks the zoom lens which I used, turns out, I didn't kind of realize it, but actually a fair amount. Now, I don't shoot portrait photos 
on my phone ever. I'm looking at my iPhoto, my iCloud photo library. I have like six portrait images in there, <laughs> 42,000 pictures. Um, but if you use portrait mode, the 10R can do it. It does it in software. It's not as good, I, I think, to my eye as it is on the 10S. But it is there. Um, it's using the wide angle. So like the, the cropping is different. You kind of have to like walk up to somebody. You have to zoom with your feet. But I use the zoom lens in the past just like taking regular pictures. Or if, for instance, I would need to take a picture of like a business card, I could do like the 2x zoom and punch in closer so the text was bigger when I wanted to enter it into contacts later. That sort of stuff uh, is, a, is a bummer. And the, the zoom lens is... It might be the deal breaker for me. I haven't made a decision what I'm going to do here. Like, I'm not keeping both phones. I don't think I got to make a decision. I have a family member who's like in desperate need of an iPhone, so they may get whatever I don't keep. But the not having the zoom lens is, uh, for me at least, coming from the plus phones, a, a step back. Now, again, if you were using an iPhone 6, 6S, 7, you weren't in the plus club. This is a huge camera upgrade, and the zoom lens is, wasn't going to be for you anyway. So, it's all about putting this phone into context. And that's what I wanted to do with this review. It's what I wanted to do with these two, this two weeks, trying it on Apple's uh, return policy of like trying to understand this phone, not from the perspective of a 10 S buyer, but from the perspective of somebody who would be upgrading. And in that context, the 10 R to me is a huge hit. It's a great iPhone and one that I think people should be, probably even more excited about. You know, it's a lot cheaper. If you look at the monthly upgrade pricing, it's 37 this is this is in the US for a, an unlocked phone 64 gigabytes. The 10R is 37.41 a month. The 10S is $49.91 a month and the 10S Max is $54.08 a month. So if you're looking at $54 versus $37 over the course of a year or two years, or 749 999 or 1099 like the 10R is cheaper by a, a healthy amount. And I at least think what I've walked away with this is I'm not sure that $250 is worth it. it, it may, if you want that phone and you can afford it, that's awesome. But if you're coming from an older phone and you don't want to spend a, a ridiculous $1,000 on an iPhone, I don't think what you get for the 10R is – like you're leaving a lot, like what you're leaving on the table, I think is, is fine for the price. And I think that they've positioned it well. And I, it's kind of guys, it's kind of won me over. Like I, I really like this phone. And I think that, that it has sort of gotten a, gotten a, not the attention it deserves sort of in like the tech journalism sphere. And so at least in our corner of that, I want to change that. Like, this is a great phone for a lot of people. I feel like everyone's had really good things to say about it, but just nobody's decided to use it for their own. Right, phone. like uh, Joanna Stern's using it. She and John Gruber talked about that on the on a recent episode of the talk show, and I think I think she is probably the most prominent person who is using one. Uh, people are using it, right? But like, it's so easy to focus on the high end, right? Like when the Mac Pro comes out, that's all I'm going to, want to talk about for a month, and you guys are going to have to like stop me. But when the Mac Mini comes out, we talk mm-hmm. about it for a week. You know, people who are into this stuff want to talk about the most powerful, like the high-end stuff. But the um, the 10R is really – it's really been eye-opening to me how good it is. And I think the price is touch high, but I think what you get for it, it's, it's reasonable. 
Well, but here's the thing, though, right? Like, you are still somebody who wants to have the latest sure. and greatest. And whilst the 10R gives you most of that this year, I would be surprised if it kept being the case. So, so, that, like, it gets all of the technology, so, bar, like, a few small things. So that's a really interesting question of what happens this year. So I think there there's a, a world that you just described where the 10R stays on the A12 and the the 10S2 or 11 or whatever gets a new processor and the 10R maybe drops in price but doesn't get updated again. It, it becomes effectively the new iPhone SE. Remember the iPhone SE came out, it had the 6S guts when the 6S was still on sale and then it languished until just a couple of weeks ago when it finally went away. That could be the fate of the 10R. It could be that this phone is the modern now, but Apple is going to let it wither on the vine. And that would be sad. And I think it would be a mistake if the new iPhones start at $1,000. If the new iPhones, the iPhone 11 or whatever, the, the 2019 new iPhone, if that starts at 749 then good riddance, 10R. Apple's fixed the price problem. But in a world where the flagship starts at $1,000, I think Apple needs to keep something in this price point updated. And so I am hopeful that we do see a 10R2 or whatever it's going to be called, 11R, whatever, that is updated and holds this price point with a new phone. Because I don't. I think it would be a mistake for Apple, especially in light of their earnings, for the cheapest new phone to be $1,000. Last year, we had the 10 at that price point, but we had the 8 at $699 and the 8 Plus at $799. So they've done this now for a couple of years. So I expect that the 10R would be updated and hold its price point unless they really blow things up and the flagships are cheaper and then the need for this price point goes away because they have it covered elsewhere. Yeah, I I can totally understand why you would be into this. Um, but... I I don't think you would be you would stick with this in the long term, like the multiple year term. No, no, but I mean, like, I can't change who I am. Like, I have a vice of buying a new iPhone every year, mm -hmm. but it is a phone that I'd be happy to use for a year. And if they so say that next year the 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 iPhone 11 is a thousand dollars and it has three lenses, and the iPhone 10 R two. 11R, whatever, is 749 again and has it adds the zoom lens. Like, I don't know what I would do. Like, because the zoom lens is the biggest thing for me. And if they added that, like, then what, then like we have to reevaluate is the money worth to upgrade? So, like, it's all open ended at this point. I, I can only speak of where we are today until these new iPhones come out in September. But today, if you're looking to upgrade, like, I feel solidly that the 10R is the right answer for almost everybody. Yeah, I I would say that I, by and large, came away with that feeling, ex with the caveat of, unless you're someone like me. But you haven't come away with that. Like, the, the, I haven't. the Stephen Hackett might be sticking with it, but Mike Hurley knew that he couldn't. And And part of that is, because I do it for a living, Part of it is like I am sort of interested in like what the experience would be for a year using the phone that like most of other people I work with aren't using, right? Like would the would the things they've taken away to hit the price point bother me long term? You know, in June, July, August, would I still feel this way about this phone or like 
I could be it. I mean, and very well possibly could be like in the honeymoon phase and like, it's great. It's fun. I like the size a lot, but like, would I change my mind over time? And for that experiment alone, I may keep it just to live with something that's not the high end for, you know, the better part of a cycle to like really understand where this phone is because it's an important, it, in some ways I think it's the most important iPhone Apple makes this right now and the most important one they sell. And is two weeks a fair time to judge that as like a tech commentator? I don't know. Probably not, but I made my mind up pretty quickly. Like sure. I could see why it was great, but I could also just tell that this isn't. It's not for you. It's just it's just right. not the thing I like, want. Like, and I said this in the review. Like, what I probably like, what I probably should do. Like, the middle ground for me is next year. Don't do the max. Do the 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 regular size, like iPhone 10 sized phone, because I, I do feel like the max is too big, but if I still want those features then like the 10 S slot is probably where I should be balancing these things all out. But, um, we'll cross that bridge when we get there in September, I guess. I wonder. So this is, uh, this is my thing. All right. So you're going to get the 10 on now. Will you last until September? Until September? Yeah. I wonder, I just wonder I, I don't know if I would I mean, be willing to say either way. When have I ever flip-flopped on, yeah, on know, technology right? decisions? Uh, yeah, right. Whenever. The, the thing mm. is, is that like I do feel like with this specific thing, that if you do really like the 10R, you might be able to last because there aren't really that many differences. Yeah. Maybe maybe the camera, maybe the 2X camera would be like really great on you over time, but you just don't know that yet. That's the thing right I now. I feel like that yeah. might be the thing, right? Like we all go somewhere and like everyone can get a great picture except you. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, you know, because oh, oh. uh, I've been in those situations. Uh, Steven and his blue phone are left out of like, the party. I've been in those situations when it was just on the plus where like I could get a great picture yeah. and other people couldn't because they couldn't get the zoom that they yeah. wanted so yeah but but i don't know i don't know i i'm intrigued i'm i'm interested to see what you do i bet you keep it this i bet you keep it and i bet you give your max away to whoever it is in your family that wants a new phone but i am not willing to talk of as much certainty to say say that you'll keep that that uh 10 r all the way to the end of the end of the year yeah, yeah, especially if the 11 Max has like three cameras and a bunch of new camera features. Oh, I was 100% the moment that the Max gets more features than the other phone. Stephen will come in to come back to the Max Club. Yeah, like, without you think you're gonna stick with the, with the 11R? <laughs> I don't think so. So enjoy it while yeah, it lasts. Um, yeah, you know, this next eight months. Your pretty colorful phone. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. But are you going to put a case on it, though? He doesn't like the clear one. He wrote so in the review. I, I don't like clear cases. I picked up a uh, Spigen case where it is like a rubber bumper with a clear back and the bumpers matched okay. to the blue. Uh, I'll dig up a link to the, for the show notes. It's really nice. I have uh, the phone in that case right now. and I think it will probably... Be the case that I use uh, with this phone. Again, I don't like clear cases because it shows a bunch of junk in the back. And after a few days, there's like a hair back there that's like really making my eye twitch. But but the speaking case is still going to have that problem. That's what I'm saying. It's in the speaking case. And it, it at least the bumper covers all the stuff around the edges. <laughs> but if stuff gets in the back, then uh, yeah. I don't know why Apple just didn't make a leather case and then just punch holes in it like the, like the 5C case. That would have been fine with me. Has nobody made just a bumper? Mm, I don't know. The speaking case came recommended um, actually by Joanna on the talk show. She talked about it. So that's the one I picked up. 
but uh, we'll see. Mm, I would take a look at. I wonder if Rhino Shield, because Rhino Shield make bumpers for the 10 line, so they might make one for the 10R line, because that's going to give you the protection that you, as a human being, desperately need on your phones because you break them all. Um, but without giving you the issue of the of having a clear case, when putting a case that covers up the color of these phones, there's at that point why are you even bothering, right? It's- Which is why Apple didn't do it, right? It's why they didn't ship leather cases. It looks like they do make a uh, a bumper, by the way. So you should try it out the Rhino Shield yeah. one. You should try. Maybe it I'll out. try that out. I have problems with their initial ten. Uh, bumper because it got in the way of uh, me being able to do the gestures but I've been told by people since that apparently their newer ones are are better. Yeah, well the Apple Clearcase and the Spigen both do that. They have a lip all the way at the bottom where the Apple 11 silicone have a cut out so we'll see. I'll keep you all posted but right now I really like this blue iPhone. Oh, this Crash Crash Guard NX is what I'm yep. looking at. You can like You can like do a bunch of colors and stuff. Like you can change the colors of the buttons and stuff like that go wild go crazy i think that does it for this week on connected if you want to find links to stuff we talked about head over to the website relay.fm slash connected slash 228 while you're there you can get in touch you can send us an email or you can find us on twitter you can find mike there is i-m-y-k-e i mike uh mike host a bunch of shows here on relay fm so you head over to relay.fm slash shows you can find something else with mike's uh, lovely voice on it you can find federico on twitter evitici v-i-t-i-c-c-i federico is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net, where they publish all sorts of uh madness we've you've shown us some stuff you're working on with some new automation stuff and it's it's mind-blowing it's gonna say stay tuned you can find me on Twitter at ISMH. You can find my writing at 512pixels.net. And until next week, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Adios.